Welcome to Map It Marketing for small business owners who want to become more confident and capable in their marketing. I'm Rachel Claver, and I'm a small business owner just like you. I've learned that there are so many different things that we are supposed to do all the time. And trying to work it all out is quite frankly often very confusing. In this podcast, we're going to explore what those things are and whether you need to pay attention to them. Ready? Let's get started. The simple truth is no one can help grow your business and help you make more money through marketing unless your pricing is right. And quite often that starts with setting your mindset around money and your value and worth. I worked with our guest, Sal Lee, a year ago or over a year ago. And during that time, I questioned her about her pricing. She wasn't quite ready to change, but shortly after we worked together, she went and talked to Natalie Coombe, who's been one of the guests on our show before, and through that time changed her money mindset to a point where she has been able to grow a successful, growing, vibrant consultancy, helping people in strategic business coaching, specializing with businesses who want to make an impact in this world. She has since been on maternity leave and has been able to have a profitable business that's paid her during her maternity leave because she's learnt that. This is an episode that you need to listen to if you have got money mindset issues and you struggle. Let's hear what it's like on the other side of that with Sal Lee. Hi and welcome to Mavit Marketing and thank you so much for tuning in every week. I so value that. As I said in the introduction, we've got Sal Lee today from Lee Development talking to us about how her money mindset shifted and what it did to her business. And I'm so happy to have Sal here because I've worked with Sal in the past. She is lovely and she has such a passion for purpose-driven businesses and making a difference to businesses who are making a difference. So I'm going to love that. She's currently on maternity leave, so I'm going to let her explain what she's doing is coming back. But I'm going to let her start and introduce herself to you. Um, Sal, thank you so much for being part of the show. Uh, kia ora, Rachel, and thank you very much for having me. It's, um, You're so welcome. Tell us a little so bit nice. about you. Okay, so I am, I'm Sal, I am a mum of three, and that's a new three. <laughs> yeah, it's quite new, isn't it? That's very new. Huxley is 18 weeks old this week. We were done after two children, but surprise, apparently we weren't. So, <laughs> so this has been a bit, a bit of a learning curve. In my day job, outside of being a mum, I'm an organisational development advisor, which is fancy speak for I'm a strategic business coach. I support people to identify what impact they want to create in the world and then put that into place and and run a successful business as well, making money. So one of the things I really liked there, because when we worked together, you used to talk about organizational development. And I want to just applaud you because when you say strategic business coach, you immediately put it in a language that people understand. I had to uh, because I kept insisting on on calling it what it was. I'm, I'm pretty black and white yes. and, and I like to call things by their proper names, but there's plain English and then there's English people understand. Yeah, um, and I struggle with this too. Like I've been going through this a bit with my own journey around a few things, but I've got a couple of clients that also go through this and you all tend to be similar people. You tend to be very purpose-led. You tend to be very intelligent you tend to be really good at what you do, which is about like getting that organizational structure together. And often you want to stick to those names <laughs> mm. because that's what it is. But we do have to sometimes make compromise, don't we? 
Absolutely. If you if you're talking about apples and oranges, and then you're going off and talking about loquats, and people have no idea what a loquat bloody is, well, a little like fruit. Loquat. I personally <laughs> like loquats, just just for the record. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, no one really knows what they are, so that's okay. We'll cope with that. So, in terms of what you do, what sort of businesses do you work with? So I work with people who, and, and not just businesses, I also work with not-for-profits and community groups. I work with people who want to create impact um, and don't necessarily know what path that is. So there might be people who have thought about helping out a charity and supporting them through their business, or they can see an issue and they want to start a charity to change the world. And I don't stop them from doing charities, but I, I let them know that actually there are easier ways to do this and create bigger impact. In businesses, I, I support people to identify the impact they want to create and then take the steps to put that into their business and make money doing it because that's the key if you don't have money you're not going to make a huge impact down the path I absolutely love that and obviously we're going to talk about your journey with this as well but mm. I, I read a book last year called Fix This Next by Mike Michalowicz and he talks about have you read it I love it and I actually implement a lot of his principles okay perfect because he talks in there about the Maslow's hierarchy of needs in business. And I think this is where you and I, like, we have the same thing. He talks mm -hmm. about if you want to make impact, you have to get your profit and your sales and all that stuff sorted out first, because otherwise the impact will always be limited. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that's the number one thing that I found. And from personal experience as well, you, you want to go out and change the world and you start a charity to do it. But charities take work and work requires money. Yeah. And if you're not working for money, then you're not achieving much. You're just going around in a vicious circle and, and most people burn out um, or the charity folds. So I do want to talk about your journey, but with mm. your with the people you're working with, I imagine a lot of them, like many business owners, but on steroids, um, <laughs> where they're scared about talking about profit because it feels mm. like it's a nasty word. Would that be yeah, right? And I, Absolutely. And I get it. I was one of those people and I was, I was talking to clients about making money and then, then not making money myself. And it's kind of embarrassing when you call down on it. Um, but yeah, they, they are. They think that if they're making money, if they're pulling an income, then she's supporting their courts. Because I do remember, because we worked on a strategy with you and obviously I'm not going to delve into it, but I remember asking you about your pricing because it was very low. Mm. And I was like, hey, how is this sustainable? And at that stage, I know you did not want to shift it. Like right. we struggled with it. We had a bit of a, like a set to it. And you felt like, no, that's all people would pay. So that's all you would do. That's right. It is. And I was at that time, I was starting work with Natalie Combe. Yes. So I was on a journey of working with you and with her and the mindset was starting to change, but I still had long-term clients that I didn't think would, would budge on that. And in part, I was right, and I lost a couple of clients. But overall, yeah, people actually do pay it. When they realize what your worth is, they, they do. When you believe it yourself, people will pay the money. Um, and so let's just talk about that, because we've had Natalie Coombe on the show before, and mm -hmm. she's actually, full disclaimer, she has been the most popular guest I've ever had. You've got something to, like, to go there, and I'm going to link to her show in this, because I think it's really important for people to listen to it. I have someone, I actually have a client who's listened to her 10 times. Wow. Episode and just listens to it. She listens to it like once a week just to remind herself to change her mindset because I think it is a really important thing around it. But for you, like, why did you struggle at first to set your pricing in a profitable space? Yeah, my whole theory around this has been that my skill set, everything I teach has been given to me. Now, I haven't had to go to university to learn this. I learned it through being in paid employment. It's experience that has given me my expertise. Mm. You know, somebody else paid me to learn this. And I came from government 
background and the information is all readily available it's all free and I figure if I knew this information and I know it's free then how how dare I charge somebody else for this information that has been given to me and it's also available if you take the time to look trouble is that people don't know what to look for Mm. and I've taken time to learn and grow that as well and and Natalie in her really beautifully not so gentle way said to me that actually my time was worth something Mm. Um, and if people weren't going to value my time then they weren't valuing me that was a bit of a kicker that was quite hard to to hear but the more I heard it and the more I I actually allowed myself to listen to it uh, the more I realized that she was right Um, I, I am worth it Mm. I think I think one of the things is I le- I learned and was challenged a bit with when I had my podcast with, with Natalie too. I think when you know stuff and it feels easy to know that stuff because you now know it, it's hard to put a value on that. It's mm. hard for you to go. People would want that because for you, it's for sale. It's easy. It, it just feels like it's breathing for you, mm. and you don't realize that it's groundbreaking for somebody else. Yeah. Definitely. Um, it, there's, there's a huge element of that. When I, I listen to you talking about marketing, I'm like, oh, I knew that, but I didn't know that. I didn't yeah. know that enough to put that into to action. You know, that's, that's something I've heard other people saying, but it, it's kind of that unconscious thing. I, I do stuff without breathing, but mm. other people might know the information's there, but they wouldn't know where to start looking. And that's true. Like pe- when people are buying you, they're not just buying your knowledge, they're buying time because mm. they're buying, you know it and you, they might take 10 to 15 hours to find the information, but you could give it to them in 10 minutes because you know it. And the contacts that I connect them with are people that yeah. I've spent a lot of time with. I've paid for coffees with people. I've paid for drinks with people. I've paid for, for sessions with them. I've, you know, I've paid for strategy sessions with them. Yes. So it's actually, there, there is a lot of investment just beyond my, my time and experience. It's actually, it's cost me. You know, it's taken me out from other things to learn that. And so this is huge because I do feel that a lot of people go, you know, I'm just going to pull a figure from the air. This is how much I'm going to charge because I think that's how much people on it will pay. And I do feel that then we can get trapped. One of the things I do think that we do get trapped in is when you set your pricing and then you try and increase it, there is that fear. So you lost two clients, but did yeah. every, with everyone else, how much warning did you give them when you changed your pricing? Quite a lot, actually. And, and I did it in stages with these ones. And I let them know that. So, so these clients were people who, who really just wanted someone to do the work for them. Yeah. They didn't want someone to coach them through it. Now, that engaged me as coach. But along the way, it became, oh, so can you just do this? You do this so beautifully. And I was kind of, okay, I can do that. That actually makes it simpler. By the time I write it out and send it to you in an email on how to do that, or if I take the time to coach it, I can just do it this one time and you'll learn from that but they didn't learn from that. Mm. And it became a repeat ad nauseum. This is what we're going to do. And so it didn't matter in the end how much warning I gave them. Mm. They weren't going to change their behavior. They weren't willing to actually learn from my coaching and they were wasting my time. Mm. Uh, And I put boundaries up. And when I put boundaries up, they objected. Um, So we, we said goodbye. I do think that's the other thing around this is that what money mindset does is it starts creating natural boundaries around Mm. time and around how you work and it does make you start to understand that even though like I know with Natalie you know she talks about how you shouldn't be doing it around time having a concept and understanding around every hour I take outside my normal time frame of doing this is costing me my profit is a Mm -hmm. good thing to understand isn't it 
it's huge and I have some clients where I put them onto subscription and so we don't do it on, on an hourly basis but the majority of people I do I charge by the hour that they don't don't necessarily know they're being charged by the hour yeah. but I know how long it takes me to do something but the reason for tra- tracking it is not just so I can say well, this is how many hours I spend I can actually report on the impact I make with different organizations so I can I can extract my time reporting and say well I spent this much time working with a news development which means I've contributed to the disrupting intergenerational trauma of this group of people mm. um, or I've spent this much time working with disabled Māori so I've, I've spent this much time tracking and supporting that impact group and all of that contributes to at the end of the day my experience I can Mm. say this is what I've done but actually as an impact lead organization I'm walking my talk I'm actually doing what I said I'll do which is exciting for you so you're using that shift around thinking about your money and being more confident about it to also increase your sense of purpose absolutely and I can show people that I'm doing it and how easy it is to do and then I can tailor it back to how I teach people um so when I talk to them about defining impact and measuring that well I've got real life examples you know this is how much actually this is how much on on a dollar value it is but actually this is how many hours I've spent and this is the direct impact of spending that much time with this many people and in 10 years time this would equate to this and you know there's some really the reporting standards internationally are great to be able to support that as well and it's I mean it's pretty high level but that's that's where you're having this from it is and you can get so much just from tracking your hours it's not just about what what you're worth it's actually what you're giving to others Mm, I love it I absolutely love it actually one of the things that we're doing at Identify we did it um, just as a casual thing I'm going to focus on it is we actually went and looked at like all the e-commerce clients we worked with last year and compared their marketing strategy current to what their goal was to what they actually got and after working with us and I'm going to map it out like in a chart so people can actually see this is the impact that we had with our work but I was like my gosh we like some one of our clients had a goal of they were doing I think 500k a year they wanted to reach a million which I thought was you know a good gutsy thing to do and in that first year they went to 1.5 and I'm like and I know it was our work because I could see what we did and we can actually track it like that's exciting you know and I know we're not doing impact I, that was definitely not an impact-based business let me tell you I probably shouldn't even tell you what they do in terms of like what they probably waste in the environment but <laughs> it's about you know it is like for me like to me that satisfaction of going that is the time and impact makes it all just worth it I want to ask you a question because you did go and get help with Natalie Coombe mm-hmm. and you did that why do you think it was really important to get outside help to help you? Because we have the same with strategy or, you know, like you've come to us with strategy and I loved working with you on that. And, you know, you have people who come and get help from you who might be really good at what they do, but they still need it. Why is it really important to get outside help? Because when you're doing it on the daily, you're so entrenched, you actually can't see your, you can't see the wood for the trees. I mean, yeah. it's, it's an old analogy. I knew how to price work. I knew how to price services. I taught people how to do it, yes. but yes. I couldn't see my own damn worth. You know, <laughs> I had to have somebody else tell me what I was worth. And it had to be an expert in it, not somebody who was saying, you should charge more for that because you're worth it. It had to be someone who actually did this on the daily and it's not that I didn't trust you or anybody else that told me that I should I be charging it. more. Okay. The skills, and she's got paid clients, and she's got testimonials, and you know she's the goddamn expert in pricing what you're worth. Yeah, because um, I think if it's someone like, like as I said, you know, I'd said to you, hey, this is enough. 
that is good because it's like giving you a warning around that. But we've had a lot of our clients have gone and worked with Nat afterwards. And mm-hmm. I think, I feel like we should have almost had her on the show. Um, <laughs> but, like, I think one of the things around this is that when it's someone who has like, this is my formula of doing it, it mm-hmm. stops being around just the mindset. It's like black and white, this is why you need to do it. And I think that's one of the benefits of working with an expert is that you do have to do a mindset shift. Like you still have to do that work. but she helps prove it or an expert like it's the same with what your work is someone else will go I need to give back or I need to have a business that's impact led and you go great here's how you have to do it and you're taking that crux of what they want their mindset and making it yeah and and I've got clients who this will make really happy Nat made me cry on more than one occasion (laughs) actually made me cry just that journey and that realization when when you go oh my God, I've actually been undervaluing myself. Mm. How, wow. Yeah, it still makes me quite emotional to think about that actually. Just that realisation, it just hit me like a ton of bricks in the face. But the benefit of what you've gone through, and I think this is important for other people who are coaches or strategists, is when you get that help here, it actually does feed down to your other clients, doesn't it? Because I'm imagining you use some of the work she does now to reestablish with them what, what they should be doing. Yeah, absolutely. I use her tools um, all the time. So to frame it, I don't don't give them out to the clients, but I use it to support what I'm saying. And I and clients that need it get pushed in that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because you know yeah. you're gonna do it. And it yeah, separates absolutely. you. You know, and I think mm-hmm. that's one of the things I've learned as I've grown in my space is that there's no problems referring other people to other professionals in their space because it means that you know that that person's going to get the work. Sometimes you can just go, hey, you need to put your prices up. And someone will go, oh, okay, I'm going to double them overnight. And you go, cool, we're sweet. But when you know that that's not there, it's really important to go and find help in whatever the space that you're doing, whether it's that, whether it's the work that you do, whether it's strategy with me, those things, it is important to to get that external support, I think. Absolutely. And I I think I've referred four people to you alone in the last week. Yeah, it's... (laughs) Thanks, Sal. I appreciate it. It's all those things of know your expertise, know your limit. Yeah, Yeah, I know. And I think, because I think that's really important because I I do think, you know, it'd be the same with me if I had someone who was coming and asking, you know, can I have an impact business? I find those businesses a bit frustrating to work with, not because I don't believe in the impact, (laughs) but because I'm having to change that headspace around that. How do you make a build a great business around something that's a heart driven thing? You know, I'm always have a little sinking heart when it happens because I'm like, oh no, I've got to deal with that. So, you know, I'm not the right (laughs) person for that. Just so anyone's listening, I'm not that person. It's definitely self. Um, (laughs) So tell me what it feels like when it's all working because you're on maternity leave. You've obviously had someone else working for you, which means that you could do that and still get money, right? Yeah, I did and actually have money for myself as well while that's happening which is quite nice um it's it, it's actually probably one of the best things at I mean aside from Huxley being born finding out you're pregnant unexpectedly in the middle of a growth plan for your business that's working really well that was quite it messed my head up quite a lot it was because it would have been like wow I've done all this hard work and now this unexpected thing has happened and yeah and, and I couldn't see any way forward yeah, and my then youngest was just starting kindy. And so I was just getting my days back and having more time available. And to learn I was going through that all over again and having the skills that Nat's taught me, having the income I had. And I don't work full time. I work around my kids. So so I'd reduced my hours 
significantly. I'd grown my income significantly and my time involved in the business was actually quite low. That meant that I had the skills to be able to re-budget and, and work out what it was actually going to take me to get through the maternity leave. And I've managed to fund, it's been a tight budget, but I've come through maternity leave almost to the end and still have funds left over. That's incredible. Um, I've still had paying clients all the way through. Uh, I've been paying somebody else to do the work. I've not breached what I'm required to do on government. I'm, I've only just started using my keeping in touch hours, aside from my own admin, in the last months as another client's gone on maternity leave. And, and I'm still paying somebody else to do my work. It's been epic. Yes, I think that's one of the liberating things when you get your pricing right. And I know we've, we are focusing on service-based businesses because I do think this is one of the hardest things with solopreneur businesses is often when we price, we forget to factor in that we might not always be the one doing the work. And we have to make sure that whoever's getting paid to do it is also getting paid fairly, but we're also making profit out of it. Yeah. And I pay my contractor above market rate. So I'm not, and say contractor because she dictates when she's got work available. Um, I let her know the work's there and I don't take on any contracts if she doesn't have the hours available to support it. Mm. I'm not going to pick up slack on, on what she can't do. That's, no. that's not the point of it. Um, but, but she gets paid a, a really good rate. Um, it's double what I would have earned doing the same thing in the same space. Um, and that makes me really proud to be able to say that because I, I pay her more than anybody else for any of the work that she does because I know that she's got expenses as well. So, so that's built into my pricing. But equally, I don't overcharge clients. Mm. So it's all, yeah, it, it's a really tight ship that we run. I think that's a really important thing because I know that for me, um, before we started identifying, I was working as a strategist for another company and they they paid me a flat fee for whatever we did. And it was like, it was pennies compared to what they were charging. And I want them to have that because that's their job around what they mm -hmm. do. And I want them to value that, you know, and, and I think that honoring your team is really important in this because you want to make sure that whatever you're charging is going to benefit that person too. So they're happy to do the work. Yeah. It's more than that for me. Like, traditionally, women are the ones who take on all of the work at home. And then we go out and we see a problem and we go and change the world by, by creating a charity or running a community group. You know, we're the ones that, that volunteer at a play center or a school PTA or whatever comes up in life. It's us that's doing it. And we're still running the house and we're still doing the housework mm -hmm. and feeding the family. And we might ask our husband's opinion on something if we've got a husband or it doesn't matter what kind of guy he is um, that he might want to participate, but we're still going to take charge because that's what's been bred into us by the generations before got a long way to go to break that cycle but we burn ourselves into the ground that's not yeah. fair we should be remunerated for at least half of the work that we do <laughs> it is equally important my unpaid mothering skills at home are worth just as much as husband salary and have so ever, have you read the invisible load no no I haven't I've heard of it it's yes by Dr Libby and I shouldn't say this on this podcast I'm like I have never been a huge fan but I actually bought it because I picked it up and that the page was about the invisible load of how we just have to always remember like who, which kid likes peanut butter and which one likes marmite and who likes them with crust and who doesn't. And we've got all this other stuff in. And I, I read the page, cried in the bookstore, bought the book because that's what you're talking about. We don't just have the work we do as a business owner and as a mother, we have all the hidden stuff that's running around in our head. I have a constant tally of how much flour we have in the house mm -hmm. or butter or whatever the thing is, because um, undeniably there'll be someone to go why is there no flour tonight and I'm like seriously 
Yeah, it, it's things like when's the car service, Joe? Yes. When's oh, the road user charges on that tractor? <laughs> I just all, all... pass it to Rod. <laughs> but I do all of that stuff for us That's because I'm, I'm a control freak. Can't help it. Well, then that, yeah, I can, I can understand that. <laughs> but I do think you're right. And I, for me, one of the biggest things I did this year, a light went on and I've been a parent now for 21 years. This light went on and I went, oh, my homework, like the work I do at home in parenting, has an equal value to my business work. I might not get paid for it, but it has an equal value. So now my days, my business days are actually a lot shorter because I purposely take more time to do the homework stuff that I was trying to squeeze into my recreational or couple or family time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and I think that was a realization for me when Darcy, when my oldest got to a point that she understood what the difference between mum mum working and dad playing on the computer was. Uh, um, anytime I opened my computer, she'd say to, to her little sister, mum's working. And I was kind of, ooh, we should go and sit with Chris when he's playing on the computer, but she wouldn't leave. She would just walk out of the room, unless she heard me talking on a, on a video and then she'd come and say hi. <laughs> always a good opportunity I I realized that I was doing I was doing that too much at home and so I needed to shorten my working days and I needed to price myself accordingly so that I could afford to do that and still bring in the income for the lifestyle that we we like because I think this is such an important thing because I know that when you say that I agree with it but I also there's a bit of me where I go because I I, like as I say my youngest is 16 my oldest is 21 Mm -hmm. where I'm like I'm like, no, that's not how it's supposed to work. Like there is actually something in me that says that, which I'm a bit ashamed about, to be honest. Like I feel a bit teary about it. But because I feel like, no, no. Who says you're allowed to have a business that's profitable that only works a few days a week? How dare you do that? And I think that there's this idea around how business, a real business can be like that. Yeah, and what you're describing is on, it's not the same, but that's how intergenerational trauma works. Yeah. This is something that's been programmed into you. So, I mean, it's absolutely not on the same scale, but that's something that our mothers and grandmothers before us have have bred into us. We can have the vote. We can go out to work. We can raise a family. We can do it all, and we will wear that mental load, goddammit. Because yeah, I think that is it. Like I do think, you know, I'm older than you, I'm Generation X. And, you know, we were raised with the generation of the supermother. You know, they did the full-time work and did everything at home. My mom didn't do that, but um, she did the full-time work thing. But we had that whole thing and we were raised with that's what you've got to do. And this concept that you can have a serious business, like a proper business, but not necessarily be working five to six days a week, you know, eight hours or nine hours a day, and it still brings in a significant mm-hmm. income and it still does that. It's a huge mind-blowing, I say mindfuck, um, <laughs> for people who are struggling with that idea. Like I've got, I know a lot of my clients would struggle with that because this whole idea that you can create a business that's profitable and supplies for the needs and the lifestyle you want, mm-hmm without doing that, that crazy hours is like it's that move away from it being a job and turning it into a business right yeah absolutely and I think for me the, the best proof I had that networked aside from the fact I was able to reduce my hours and bank account going up last year I bought a car and I packed cash Yay. You know, that was that was the first thing I did I, I bought a car I didn't buy a fancy car but, you but bought- I bought a car we paid we paid nine grand for a car yeah, and I was able to pay that out of at least than 12 months after finishing working with that. Yeah. 
And that's incredible. And I pay for you. Yeah, and I think I do. I think that. Well, thank you. Um, I do. Think <laughs> that, is, that is key. Like I know for me, the change. Like I talk about this as my abrasive thing, but I will say, Rod and out my goal, which we talked about just a couple of days ago, is we we're like our goal is to be able to take two to three months off every summer completely and have business going the rest of the time, but have that time because we love being outdoors. We love doing that thing and having that time to relax. And re and so we're like, how do we make this happen? We wouldn't have had that conversation and we didn't use Nat, we use Profit First and still, you know, but we wouldn't have had that conversation if we hadn't started that journey of changing our money mindset around our business. And I love Profit First. I, I implement that as well. So that's, that's a really yeah, good support. Yeah, <laughs> but I needed Matt, Matt to to get my mindset out of it and to actually, like her formulas, they work. Yeah. They work really well and they're applicable to to anything. So I use them in business and in charity. You know, they, they work really well. Yeah. I love that. So in terms of you, like you feel like it's all working now? Yeah, I do. Ask me again when I return to work full time. Well, yeah. full time, four hours a day with the baby. because you know, Four hours. Yeah, it's four hours is not a lot of time. I used to, before Huxley was born, it was drop the girls off, come home, quickly run through emails and get on to work, then go and pick the girls up four hours later. Mm -hmm. um, now I've got to take stop for, for nappy feeds and changes and trying to get him to sleep. And he's not that keen to sleep, but he slips off my knee. So that's awesome. That's a good combo. <laughs> um, if people do want to work with you, if they've listened sound gone, hey, I've got an impact business. I really want to make sure my business is giving back or, oh my gosh, I've got a business that isn't profitable and it is part of that give back space and or I need help organizing it. How do people get hold of you? Do you have capacity for, to take on new clients? So one of the things that I redone in my own strategy is actually to move my teaching online. So I'm spending less time actually one-on-one -on -one with people. And, and that's twofold. One, I can't fit as much work in as I want to in the days. And I can't guarantee that my baby is going to allow me to have a coaching call. Now, one of the things has always been that my kids, if they're home, they're present. So clients need to accept that my family always comes first. And that means that I may have, have a child on me while we're coaching. But if I move things online, I can answer the questions that I'm getting all the time. So they're the same questions, just in slightly different formats. I'm currently working on fulfilling that content and putting that online. And then I'll offer tailored coaching to people that want me to hold their hands through it. So yeah, That's we do exciting. that online. Yeah, um, I do Zoom calls. So my coaching is, most of it is done this way, which is great through COVID. My work didn't actually change. Um, last year, I'd already made that change. Uh, and I work from people across the entire country. Because I do think, you know, people who are extroverts sometimes find this hard, <laughs> find those Zoom things. But I like the fact that I'm using Zoom. We also had made that change before COVID hit last year. Um, but Zoom has allowed us to be able to work with people in New Zealand and in Australia and have the interaction. And I also feel for me, who is someone who often would take on the energy of the person in the room, it's actually protected my energy a lot. And I don't have children, but I do have a very, he's not here now, but I have a very needy dog. So... <laughs> So it has helped like dealing with the distractions as well. <laughs> yeah, and it's good because it means I, I can I can support anybody across the country. I can do it at a time that, that works for both of us online. We can record it. I can drop links in. It's easier to tee up a Zoom call than it is to tee up travel in between other clients. And a lot of people just prefer it that way. When COVID hit last year, my clients got a faster response than most others did because I could just, I was there. You know, we were in lockdown, but I could still do my work. Nothing changed for me. And yeah. that meant that clients that were face-to-face -face got the support they needed right then and there. 
We actually have, in terms of money mindset, I don't know if you've got the same, but we actually have, if people do want to see us in person, we actually have two tiers. So this is the amount that you charge, we charge if it's a Zoom. If you want us to see in person, it can, but it's almost double. And it's because of that traveling and all those other things. And some people choose to pay that. The vast majority of people go actually will use Zoom. And a lot of people still have Zoom phobia, which is kind of weird after all this time. But they do quickly find that Zoom actually works really well in terms of that coaching and being able to pick it up and then just go on with the rest of the stuff. Yeah, I'm the same. If I meet someone in person, then they pay my travel. So they pay my time. And I live 45 minutes from Christchurch City. So that, that's quite a lot of time. Yeah, we've been eyeing up. We we came down there just before lockdown and we were eyeing up buying around around where you are. Ah. We're like, oh, maybe we should do this at some point. We have a bit of a thing. We haven't turned off it yet. Maybe like down the track at some point. Very windy. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so, so people can find you. So I'm going to put the links to your contact details in the show notes. Mm-hmm. And you do, you work with people who are, you have a particular type of business. So they're very much impact related businesses. Yeah, I do. So, I mean, I've been a a business coach for probably 22 years now. And I was paid by government to teach startup businesses and not-for-profit organizations on everything they needed to know, policy, legislation, where to go for advice, business mentoring, coaching. And I use the same principles in my business now. I focus, so there's two, two facets to my business. One, I teach businesses how to integrate impact and make money so that they can actually support a wider impact but we also support not-for-profit organizations to obtain funding and that's the work that cat does primarily so we write funding applications and we set them up with sustainable funding so that long term they don't need us they can actually put their money into their own funding that's exciting okay so yeah, that's pretty your cool. notes in, this, in the show notes um thank you so much for being part of the show today and i just want to say a special thank you to huxley who managed not to scream at the top of his voice all the way through this still sleeping i know still sleeping. Well, I better let you go so you can have the rest of the time um after this just stay tuned everyone else because there'll be a little bit of me giving you some call to actions and suggestions from this but thank you so much Sal. um so it's been a real pleasure pleasure i'm gonna go jump on tiktok now (laughs) i know you got that addiction from me right i did and it's amazing i can't believe how much reach i'm getting on it it's great isn't it amazing i love it love it love it (laughs) great thank you i felt so incredibly empowered by the things that sal shared today and the way that she has taken on her money mindset blocks and obliterated them to see her value and be charged what she's worth I'm going to give you a couple of things that you can do to help you with your money mindset issues, if that's an area that you struggle with. But first, I would love to invite you to come and be part of our Map It Marketing Facebook group and ask questions in there about this podcast if you'd like to. There's a link to it in the show notes, or you can just search for Map It Marketing in Facebook and you'll find our Facebook group. Right, let's talk about a few things from this podcast When you are looking at your pricing, it is so tempting to think of pull an hourly rate out of the air or just choose something that you feel you can get away with. But you need to think about all the different facets of costs that you have to cover as someone who's got a business. And that might be employing someone and overheads and all those other bits and pieces. But it's also, as Sal discovered, how to make sure that you're creating the life that you want to have. You might only want to work three days a week or four days a week or two days a week. And your business has to make sure that it sustains that. So your pricing has to fit that. You also have to do what Sal did and think about, am I thinking about my 
knowledge as something that's less than it is because it comes easier to me or it's something that I learned in paid employment or whatever it was? Are you minimizing the impact that you have to other people? And do you need to readjust that? And I guess the third thing I would say is, do you need someone else to help you with this? Do you need a Natalie Coombe or um, Jennifer McKinley, who's on our show next week? Do you need someone else to externally help you walk through that with you to help reset that pricing, to help you charge more for what you do? We can't grow a business with marketing that's profitable and growing and thriving if there are endemic pricing issues with the business. So maybe this is time for you to take a look. Next week on the podcast, we have Profit First coach, Profit First professional coach, sorry, Jennifer McKinley, and she's coming along to talk to you about how that changed her business. She's got her own e-commerce business and why she uses it with customers. We use Profit First as a business ourselves. We put in every marketing strategy we do. It's revolutionized so many of our clients' lives. You notice that Sal also used it. So tune in for that podcast if you want to know about how you could use that in your business to help make more profit for your business. Until then, have a great week. Thanks for tuning in today to Map It Marketing with me, Rachel Claver. Make sure you hit subscribe in your podcast app so you don't miss an episode. And if you want notes or information about today's podcast, go to rachelclaver.com slash podcast for more information.